Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Don't Stop Us Now. I'm Greta Thomas. And I'm Claire Hatton. We're all about producing content where you can be inspired by and learn from amazing female entrepreneurs and leaders to help you achieve and even exceed your career goals. Before we begin this week's episode, though, it would mean a huge amount if you could rate and review our show if you haven't already. Consider it as your kind deed for the day. And we'd love to hear from you. So why not follow us or message us on LinkedIn, mention the podcast and we'll be all ears. And now enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Don't Stop Us Now. Indeed it is because we are officially celebrating our fourth birthday right now. Can you believe it? No, no. Four years of speaking with amazing female innovators and pioneers from around the globe. Yeah, and hasn't it been such a privilege? You know, we get to have conversations with these amazing women. And because we're doing a podcast interview, you get to ask questions that you wouldn't have the audacity to ask, you know, if you just met them at a networking function or over a coffee even, I think. So it's been such a privilege. We've learned so much. Oh, absolutely. And it's our 147th episode today. Woohoo. Yeah, I'm I'm really proud. You know, there's really not many podcasts that get to four years old. No, there's there's not that many around. It's a lot of work involved for every single episode, so it takes commitment. So yay us! Yeah, you can say that again about the work. It's like, listeners, you probably have no idea just how long each individual episode takes. So yeah, you know, and as well as running our leadership, this is continuing to pat us on the back, by the way, as well as running our leadership <laughs> development business, Full Potential Labs, and our board and advisor and mentor roles and you're a coach as well it is kind of yeah it's quite full-on it really is but you know it's incredible we have spoken to 83 amazing guests so far mm. you know from Silicon Valley to London from Tel Aviv to Nepal from Addis Ababa to Taipei from Sydney to New York, just to name a few. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's been so interesting. And not to mention, we've also done 44 mini Future Proof Me episodes as well, and 17 how to do something or other episodes, you know, where, the, where we tackle, you know, different challenges that you encounter in your work life. And don't forget, you know, those two other bonus episodes we did, one on um, what is AI yes, and the other one on us jamming about our plans for 2022. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, what the really interesting thing is our youngest guest was in her early 20s. Yeah. Or sort of mid-20s. Mid-20s. Yep. And our oldest guest was 92. Ah, uh, the delightful etiquette queen and she's one of Australia's pioneer businesswomen, June Daly Watkins. Yeah. Yeah. Who's sadly no longer with us, but mm. we, we had such a privilege of speaking to her. Weren't we lucky to be able to do that? We yeah. really were. Yeah. 
Now, I, we don't want to pick favourites, Claire, in, in terms of who we've spoken to in this last four years, but if you had to sort of pick a, a couple of memorable moments that jump out at you, you know, what would they be? You know, that's such a hard question. I, I've got so many memorable moments, but one was right back in the beginning, I think it was probably episode four or five, right. was Sherilyn Shaquille. Mm-hmm. And the reason that was so memorable is because she told us in the podcast about actually thinking she was going to die. And, you know, it was kind of a, a moment where she changed her life. And it, I didn't know that. And so that was really shocking and yeah. surprising mm. and inspiring. It was when she was really gravely ill and everyone exactly. else thought she was going to die. And so she kind of, when she recovered, realized just what a, a retrieval that was. Yeah, that was amazing. And then you've got um, Jacqueline Novogratz, uh-huh. who is the co-founder and CEO of... The Acumen Fund. The Acumen Fund. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for finishing my <laughs> sentence there. Uh, I needed it. Yeah. Um, of the Acumen Fund, which is an incredible fund that, that funds... Um, deve- Social entrepreneurs. <laughs> <laughs> social entrepreneurs in developing countries particularly and she oh my god her stories are amazing she's just so incredible well you know and we spoke to her at a time where i think you know the world really needed some light and some integrity and some hope and you know she has <laughs> still does that in buckets yeah yeah exactly yeah i really love that one mm. and what about you well you know Just memorable moments. I think one memorable moment for me was when we learned that in Taiwan, they actually have a shortage of male software engineers. You know, contrary to almost every other city and country in the world where everyone is struggling to get females into tech, in Taiwan, it's the other way around. And we learned this when we spoke to Taiwan's digital minister, Audrey Tang, and she's also the world's first transgender government minister. Her view and take on why they have a shortage of male software engineers is she puts it down to language because they don't use the phrase software engineer in Taiwan. They use the phrase and the term software designer. And she thinks the use of that word designer really makes a difference. And I think, you know, that is just so fascinating. It's incredible. You know, if that's correct, and I don't think there's any research one way or t'other, but, you know, it just shows the power of language and perception. And I think it's a great description for what in software engineers do, you know. And so I don't know why we in the, whether it's, the West or the North or the South um, haven't tried that as well. Yeah, I know. It really, really makes you think. And what about your second one? Well, I think I'd have to say incredibly memorable speaking to Martha Lane Fox, oh, who yeah. is a, a, an amazing dot-com entrepreneur from the first dot-com kind of boom in the late 1990s, early 2000s, when she founded, co-founded lastminute.com and .co.uk, et cetera. She's in the UK. And after she left last minute, she was involved in a terrible, very serious car accident and to this day lives with, you know, chronic pain and injuries and the like. And yet she still has a full work dance card. She's on the board of Chanel and Twitter. She was for a while. That would be interesting. Yeah, especially right now. Absolutely. Um, You know, she was 
Chancellor of the Open University in the UK. She founded a not-for-profit all about lobbying for equity and equality in terms of digital access. And then to top it all off, she's also one of the youngest people ever to be appointed to the House of Lords. And so I think, you know, her grit and determination to ensure women's voices are heard in the halls of power and her work for digital equity, uh, you know, made that very memorable. Yeah, no, I totally agree. That was an incredible interview and she is an incredible woman. Mm. What about, you know, should we share a few of those sort of behind the scenes kind of things, you know, that, that we got up to? You've been itching to do this. Yeah, I have. I mean, you know, there's a podcast puppy yeah. who, who is, is actually behind us right now. She's very good at being quiet now. Yes. Um, but, you know, some of the really fun moments were I just remember with June Daly Watkins, who was, not, you know, 92, we basically, well, you went in a, a limo, a to limo didn't up. you, to pick her up. Yeah. And we brought her to the studio where we did the interview. And then we took her for lunch. Yeah. And we took her to this very old school kind of Italian restaurant. Yeah. Traditional restaurant. And we just had the most beautiful time. I just remember being so scared about my table manners and my posture. <laughs> it was, it was and really her funny. posture was formidable. And, it, you know, she put us to shame and she sort of was so much older but yes quite an, a remarkable woman and obviously with some incredible stories absolutely yeah. and then well I loved and it's the only time we've had two guests on at the one time on on the show as sort of uh, the feature interview and that was Stanford Business School uh, professor Jennifer Orker and her co-author Naomi Bagdonis and they had just recently published a book on the power of humor in business and have done a lot of research and obviously made sure they they exercised their humor muscles well and truly during oh, our that conversation was hilarious. and it was great it was just so much fun yeah and and the last one mm. was really gutting. Oh, yeah. Really gutting. So we were interviewing the amazing Q Delara, who's She's president of Honeywell that's Enterprises. That's right. She's amazing. And she was telling us this incredibly emotional story about when she was a child and having to evacuate from Vietnam and being on a boat. They Literally, escaped. They escaped. Not, yeah. That's right. And and they didn't have any food and it was just, you know, just incredible situation that you just can't imagine. And she was very, very emotional and gosh, it was so vulnerable. And then I realized that <laughs> I hadn't pressed record. Oh, I can't believe you. I know. It was the one time that I've done it and it was the most compelling moment. And I was just gutted. Well, you and me both, and I think you probably <laughs> was too, because we had to kindly ask her, and she ever so patiently agreed to sort of go through it all again. Yeah. Oh so, my god. Well, and, I, I know yeah. I won't do that again. No, that's right. Sometimes it takes that sort yeah. of. Uh, that. It, it was still very beautiful. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The her story. story is amazing. As a you know, a young refugee child, what they had to endure, drifting on a boat with no food for days and days and days. Yeah. Extraordinary. But you know, as it's our fourth birthday, we thought it would also be really interesting and fun to kind of look back on all of the amazing conversations we've had as a whole and sort of investigate and see whether there are any sort of key themes that, you know, kept cropping up and, you know, sort of reverberating regardless of who we spoke it with. And 
you know, funnily enough, there were, weren't there? There were indeed. In fact, there were a few. Yeah. But we're actually going to go with four of those themes today because yeah. it's our fourth birthday. Exactly. You know, who wants to, to do me. the odd numbers like normal? Five yeah, or all seven. consultancies do go with the odd numbers. Exactly. Who wants to do that? So we are going to go with four. Let's. Should we just get into it? Let's dive in. Okay. So the first theme that just comes up time and time again with the people that we talk to is the inner critic and you know how loud the inner critic can be and how important it is to be able to master the inner critic and you know rather comfortingly i think yeah this happens to most people that we talk to you know they they still have an inner critic but they've managed to really work on it and let's just listen to Orda Excel, she's the CEO and founder of the Adara Group. And also she is a board director and she's actually talking about when she is going into a board meeting for a very large financial institution in Australia and how her brain starts taking over. Now I'm older, I hear that voice, you know, the voice. I still hear it. I walk into a Suncorp board meeting and I still look around the room and go, oh, my God, why am I here? I should have read that paper more closely. Gee, I hope that's not a stupid question. He knows a lot more about this than I do. I still noisy. Yeah. Noisy. Yeah. And But now I know, I, I've identified the voice. So I'd say to it, oh, hello, voice of 2,000 years of oppression. I am not going to listen to you. Don't you just love that last line of Audette's, oh, hello, voice of 2,000 years of oppression. I am not going to listen to you. I mean, that is just priceless. It really is priceless. Yeah. I I think it might be the line of the last four years. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's definitely, definitely one of them. That's for sure. That's for sure. And, you know, it's it's interesting because – uh, you talked about Martha Lane Fox yeah. and how amazing that interview was and how mm. amazing she is. Yeah. But what was incredible is that, you know, Martha also struggles with this, but she has found a way of really getting through this. What is also interesting is that, you know, Audette's way is kind of going, I recognize this voice, but I'm not going to listen to you. And as we'll hear, Martha has a different technique. Exactly. And it's really smart. So here she is. We're actually talking to some Australians on Monday. Mm. And, you know, it's a quite scary environment. There are a lot of men who know a lot of stuff about this subject. The interviewees were all male. The Australian High Commissioner is a man who brought some people from the High Command, all men. And I thought, just ask the question. Don't be (sighs) frightened. You know this stuff. Ask the question. Use your voice. And I feel it. And you have to just switch your confident brain on and go for it. Obviously, it doesn't help if you don't know your subject. So there is no shortcut to reading, learning, being good at what you do. And that comes from hard work and perseverance. So marry those two things together and just always feel like you have an equal right to be in the room. You know, I really love that idea of having a switch in your head that you visualize and that you turn on your confident brain. Yeah. That's just gold, Mm. really gold. Absolutely. There are lots of different ways of handling and managing your inner critic. And we want to share a third way now that our guest Holly Ransom uses. And she's very articulate when she explains this. And Holly is an author. She is an internationally kind of renowned speaker and MC and also CEO of her own consulting business. 
And this is Holly now talking about how she deals with the negative voice and thoughts in her head. Yeah, when I catch myself maybe going down uh, more negative or less optimistic thought patterns, I often say to myself out loud or in my head, like, but but audibly in the way that I'm catching my thought pattern, the story that I'm telling myself about that is. What I, I think the power in that is, is anchoring your unconscious in your conscious. A majority of our thoughts that happen every day are completely unconscious. And we are unbelievably negative by default in terms of being geared towards loss and negativity. And so part of it is this discipline of how do I start catching myself? And when I catch myself, how do I intervene and reshape the story and the meaning? And so for me, that's been really powerful. You know, that's so true, isn't it? A lot of our thoughts are completely unconscious. Yeah. And, and they are negative. Well, they, te- they have a tendency to be more negative. And so actually making sure that you become conscious is critical. Yeah. Well, you know, that that's for sure. And, you know, I think if we were to summarize those kind of three, you know, one, becoming aware of your inner critic, two, interrupting it, and whether it's by saying, hello, voice of 2,000 years oppression, I'm not going to listen to you, or I'm going to ignore my thoughts and switch on my confident brain, or as Holly does, speak out and say, I'm telling myself the story of, and then realizing that maybe it's not as rational as it could be. And we've got an episode, a whole episode on it, haven't we? Absolutely, we do. And that was what I was about to say. Is you Sorry, know, I stole your got thunder. A, yeah, you, you did. How to manage your inner critic is one of our first how-to episodes. So if you think your inner critic is interfering with you getting out of your comfort zone, with you saying yes to growth opportunities, then do give that episode a listen. And so if we then look at our second sort of theme that has reverberated across the years and across our guests, it's all about starting before you feel ready. And it kind of flows on nicely, I think, from the first theme of managing your inner critic. And it's common because our brains are wired to when we think of doing or trying to do something new that we haven't done before, it's natural to get nervous about that because our brains want to keep us safe and in into the realm of what we've already done and experienced. However, you know, one of our guests, uh, leading Australian businesswoman, Anne Sherry, also observed with us that she thinks that when women are contemplating taking a sort of a step that could be perceived as a risk, they are more likely to think of others when they think about whether they should make the decision for or against. And because they're thinking of others and it's often like their family, their children, that makes women in particular more risk averse. And I thought that was a really interesting perspective. Mm, That is really, really interesting. But, you know, I I think the thing that has come through is that all of the women that we've interviewed Mm. have found, again, ways to move into that risk. And Caroline Issa, one of our guests who is the CEO of the Tank Group, which is a high-end fashion and culture publisher and consultancy group. She talks about how she would advise somebody else who was going for or thinking about going for some a job or a role or a project that they weren't sure about. Here she is. I think I would say you're a highly capable person. What's the worst that can happen? If you're interested in this, why not try it? You know, and 
put your heart and soul into it. And if you're passionate about it, something good will come out of this, whether it's a learning, whether it's a beautiful product. You know, I just think people have to say yes more often. I think people have to take themselves out of the boxes that we sort of put ourselves in. You know, I love that tool. You know, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, we use that quite a lot actually in our leadership development business, don't we? We do because it's really super effective. Yeah. Um, thinking that through and it really helps you rationally rather than emotionally think about, about the risks. Yeah, and the opportunities, of And course. the opportunities, very important. And in fact, another one of our guests, Lindley Edwards, who's an investment banker and a startup chair, had a really interesting way of thinking about the fear that we feel when, we when we're about to take a risk. Yeah. And maybe we'll let's listen to her first and hear what she has to say. Alrighty. Here she is. All of us have fear. I don't know anyone who doesn't have fear. And and if it's not what you're trying to do, it doesn't have an element of fear, it often means it's not big enough for you. And when I say that is that the fear makes you feel alive but the fear is in the ancients, this is why I like the ancients, fear comes out of the same root of language as fear, like wayfair. Fear is your way. It's like doing the path for you. And if you look at there are two f- great fears that all human beings have. One is, is that I will be abandoned. So life will leave me behind. I'll be left on my own or I'll be left out. And the other one is fear of overwhelm, that I'm not good enough and able enough for what is thrown at me. So we've all got those fears in operation, and I don't know anyone who doesn't, and it's like how do you get fear to work with you and how do you see it as a way of you know showing you the way? That's so interesting, isn't it, to think about fear and the, the, the wayfare, sort of, um, that fear is your way and to use that as a guideline. But I think, you know, the real important takeaway I get from that and our other guests that have talked about this is you don't achieve things that you can look back on and be super proud of and feel super fulfilled by unless you move into that discomfort and unless you move into the areas that you've not done and tried before, feel the fear and do it anyway, as um, uh, one famous author said, in fact, that is so important, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And actually, again, it's quite a nice segue onto our third theme, yeah, which is all about the importance of asking and negotiating. And that's not just asking and negotiating on your career or your pay. It's also asking for help and recognizing that people aren't mind readers and therefore you actually need to step up and ask. Yeah. And that really makes me think of, you know, the former senior advertising executive and now provocateur and a founder in her own right based in New York, Cindy Gallup, but the, the formidable Cindy Gallup. And, you know, she described to us when we met her, she talked about how she was taught to kind of really think about what she wanted in her career by one of her bosses. Here she is. As a thrustingly ambitious account director at BBH, I pinned Nigel Bogle up against the wall and went, where am I going in this agency? As you do. And he said to me, I mean, he did that very clever management trick of he turned the question back on me. And he said, you tell us what you want to do, Cindy, and we will make it happen. And he said, 
don't be bounded by the realms of the possible. If you want a job that doesn't exist yet, tell us. So I thought, oh, gosh, you know, can't say fairer than that. Went away, thought about it. And I came back and I said, okay, my dream job, uh, and bear in mind that at the moment, at that time, um, BBH had one office in London where I was working. So my dream job is running BBH North America. And I would be okay with doing that in San Francisco. And I said that because we had Levi's as a client and they were headquartered in San Francisco. But I said to be my dream job, I'd really be doing that in New York. And he went, okay, well, you know, we've started thinking about the US. At some point we'll be there. So your request is logged. So we actually ended up opening up an office in Asia Pacific first because there were more clients who wanted a presence there. But, you know, I went out to Asia as the number two at BBH Asia Pacific. And two years later, I got my dream job, the opportunity to start up BBH in New York. But but as I say, you know, that was only prompted by, you know, me having that conversation with Nigel and him saying to me, think about a job you might want that doesn't exist yet, which would not have occurred to me otherwise. I love the response from Nigel Vogel, don't you? You know, you tell us what you want to do. It's such a great thing that he did for her. And then the fact that Cindy actually took the time and really thought about what she wanted and then asked for it Mm. is really important. Yeah, that's right. Because when she first bailed him up in the hallway, she hadn't given any thought. And so he did exactly the right thing and put it right back on her and said, don't just ask me where you're going. You tell me where you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really important lesson. Yeah. Really important lesson is to really think about where you want to go and spend the time thinking because you can't ask unless you know what you want. Absolutely. And it's something I think we all can default to not spending enough time on. Totally. When we're so busy. Yeah. And you know, Talking about asking for what you want, Margarita Hedothia, mm. who's the CEO and president of Renaissance Holdings, she's a, a leading businesswoman based in um, Latin America. She had some sort of insights and thoughts about what she sees women do, particularly around asking for more salary. Particularly when they're starting. You Particularly know, she, when they're starting. Yeah, yeah, she interviews lots of men and women, so she's in a great position. Exactly, exactly. I, I just thought this was so interesting. So let's have a listen to Margarita now. Here she is. Women and women executives, you can see them that they, if they are negotiating on behalf of the company, they are very good negotiators. But if they are, beha- they, if they are ne- negotiating on behalf of their own retribution or earnings or salary or remuneration, they are not as aggressive. Mm. And that is something that um, I notice time and again when I interview men and women, you can offer a man a salary, doesn't matter how much you offer, and they will always say it's too little. And very often women will say, okay, great, when do I start? Rather than saying the same, because when you're trying to get a salary, you want to get as much salary as you possibly can. I think Margarita just sums up what the research also shows time and time again, that men are far more likely to negotiate. I've heard that the stats have really improved in recent years for women negotiating their salary. But I think from what we hear anecdotally from all our uh, different clients, um, men, once they're in a job, still ask for pay rises significantly more frequently than women do. So I think, you know, this theme of both 
being able to ask for what you want, being able to ask for help when you need it. That's also important because I think sometimes, you know, especially if we're going through a tough time at work, just snowed under and maybe the workload is too much, we expect our bosses to kind of be able to to know that, that it's on their radar, but often they're too busy as well and they're not mind readers. So, you know, if there's something that's you know, you either need help for or that you want, don't expect people around you to kind of know where you're at. And then of course the negotiating, it really is important to, to advocate for yourself. Absolutely. And our fourth theme and our final theme is all about the importance of knowing yourself and what's really important to you personally. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really critical. I think this is potentially the most important theme, because if you can really understand what you're all about, what drives you, what your values are, and what's important to you in terms of where you want to go, then it makes it easier to manage your inner critic. It makes it easier to start before you feel ready. And it makes it easier to ask and negotiate. It's so true. Mm. And You know, let's just have a listen to Anne Sherry, who is an amazing businesswoman and a board director in Australia. She has a very clear view about why this is so important. Here she is. I think for me anyway, I'm clear about who I am and what I stand for. So there's something about being strong in your own core and thinking about who you are. Because people staring at me, it's like, so what? (laughs) I am pretty thick-skinned about that because I think it's irrelevant. And while it's uncomfortable, it doesn't influence my view of who I am and it doesn't deter me from what I think I'm doing either. And so I think at the core of that is just who are you? If other people can knock you off your perch by staring at you or saying something terrible about you, then... You've got to work out who you are in that because that means you're not anchored anywhere. You know, I really love that point around being anchored. It's so important, you know, to have to be grounded to something, to know what your values and priorities are, mm. to feel like you are strong in your shoes. I really think that that gives you the power and the confidence to go forward. And I think it's really insightful of Anne to sort of talk about that. And I think some of it is born in her own personal experiences, which, you know, if you listen to that episode, she, you know, had to really fight for her son's education. He had special needs and the like, and she learned to be very tough and resilient to navigate her way on behalf of him, so so to speak. But, you know, it's, we don't talk about this enough, you know, like really knowing who you are. So I think that's really great. But related to that is also, you know, in order to leverage what you want out of life, you want to know not just what your values and priorities are, but you also want to know your strengths. And I think this is where, remember, quite recently, in fact, we spoke to Lucinda Barlow and she's Senior Director and Head of Marketing for all of Asia Pacific for Uber. And she's very passionate about the power of knowing what your strengths are and then leaning into those. Here she is. I think it's really important to know yourself, know your passions, know your strengths, pour fuel on them. Like I I think your own strengths are your competitive advantage. And when you lean into those, you will do what you love and you'll be great at it. 
So I often think people don't always know what their strengths are. So I often ask my team to think about, or particularly people who are who are newer in their careers, what is a skill or passion that you possess that you don't feel is being utilized every day? Or what are the core values that are really important to you? Because often those are what is in deficit. Yeah, you know, really understanding those strengths and leveraging them is is so important. We've heard that time and time again, haven't we? Mm. You know, and so I, I really resonate very much with what Lucinda said there. And, you know, I, I think, you know, we've touched on knowing who you are, including your values and your strengths with Lucinda. But another important and really helpful element to get clear on this is knowing your purpose. Yeah. And really, you know, that's a that's sort of like unpeeling an onion and it takes some time, but it's really an important process to go through. And if you're interested in understanding how you might do that, we've actually got a whole, what was it called? How to feel, breathe easy about, breathe your, easy purpose, about your purpose. purpose. That's it. That's the episode that we have where we really talk through how to think about your purpose and unveiling what that might be to you. Well, there you have it four key themes that have reverberated across our now four years of the podcast, managing and dealing with your inner critic, you know, being aware of it and interrupting it and then moving forward through it. The second one was all about, you know, starting before you feel truly ready. It's moving through the fear of it and asking yourself, what's the worst that can happen is just two examples of dealing with that. And the third was advocating for yourself, you know, asking for what you want and negotiating your pay uh, when you start a job in particular, but also at regular intervals. And finally, and you know, what we think is potentially the most important is to carve out time to really have and build your self-knowledge and understand what's truly important to you, not what's truly important to people around you, but to you. And, you know, there you go. That's our four key themes, but we haven't quite finished yet, have we? No, wow. And we're we're nearly finished, but we've just got one more thing to unveil, which is as a celebration of our birthday, we thought we might give you a present. And what we're going to ask you to do in order to get this present is to just share one thing that's really resonated with you from any episode of Don't Stop Us Now on LinkedIn. And you've got, let's think about it, if you include this episode, 147 episodes to choose from. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Maybe too much choice. Yeah, Just share it on LinkedIn and be sure to tag us in your post, Claire and Greta personally, Claire Hatton or Greta Thomas or both, or share one of our podcast posts and tag us. On LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. And the post we find most interesting We'll give an Amazon gift voucher to the value of a hundred Australian dollars to one of you, whichever country you may be listening from. Yeah. So that's pretty cool, isn't it? That is pretty cool. What's one thing you remember from the podcast? Share it on LinkedIn and tag us and you go into the chance to win an Amazon voucher to the tune of a hundred dollars. Exactly. And before we wrap up, you know, thank you, dear listeners, so much for coming with us 
on this journey that's now four years old. We couldn't have done it without you. We so appreciate your feedback. We would love to hear from you more. So please, you know, email us, make posts, comments on our posts, and really, really uh, makes a huge difference to us if you are fairly new to listening to our show and you have yet to rate or review our show on the podcast app that you listen to us on, please do that too. But thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. All I can say now is, well, that's this episode done and dusted. Stay tuned for our next interview in two weeks' time with a luxury eco-entrepreneur. It's really cool. And in the meantime, stay safe, have fun, and ciao for now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.